2: We have merch. Check out the americanglutton.net shop. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and more. A number of people have come up to me wearing American Glutton merch, and nothing fills my heart with more pride than seeing somebody in one of these t-shirts. And I've been stopped on the street and asked where to get it when somebody sees me in an American Glutton hoodie. Well, you can get it all at the shop on americanglutton.net. And my favorite t-shirt, yesterday it was, tomorrow, right now, is up now. Get it while supplies last. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Good morning, it's January 1st, new you, who this?
3: Who this, yo, happy new year. Happy new year. I cannot, I mean, I say this every year, believe, here we are, 2024.
2: Do you know the problem I run into every new year is I don't understand if it's happy new year or happy new years.
3: It's new year.
2: Well, I realize that it is a new year. But when you say to somebody, happy new years, isn't there always some potential to add that S?
3: Yes. And you would be wrong if you did that, but I'm just saying, yes, there is that potential. Right. (laughs) No, no, you're right. I actually... I'm thinking about that. Yeah, cuz people say I "hope you have a great new years." What are you doing for new years? What are you doing for new for new years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's like a shortening of New Year's Eve.
2: Right. Because it's the eve that belongs to the new year.
3: Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just new
2: year. Let's let's new drop year. the fucking S most of the time.
3: Happy new year. Yeah. This is it. January 1st. It is the first day of the rest of our lives.
2: <laughs> this is the make or break day.
3: This is it. Of
2: all days. Can I just say I had a, a, a great Christmas. Mm-hmm. I ate a plate of food like a quote unquote normal person. I was like, check me out. It's a well-balanced plate. I don't need seconds. I don't feel like having a dessert, which was provided by multiple people. Mm -hmm. And I was so happy. And then by the time everyone left my house and uh, it was winding down, it was a complete disaster. Like (laughs) the house was destroyed. And and then there was kind of this feeling of like, well, there's a lot of food left out. Are we just throwing all this food away, which I feel somewhat guilty about, not going to lie. But then there's part of me that goes, don't have that guilt. (laughs) That's the guilt that got you into trouble all these years. And, and there were murmurs from people of they couldn't wait for leftovers tomorrow. And so it was like, no, you've got to clean up. You've got to actually store this food before, you know, bacteria starts to develop or some kind of airborne food disease leeches onto the food and it goes bad. You don't want it to spoil. So, so. I was the pretty much the only sober person in my house that night, and I was like, well, I guess it's on me because these idiots are going to leave this food out and then just eat it tomorrow, get sick and die. <laughs> so I start cleaning up, and at some point, I realized that a big part of me cleaning up is actually putting food into my mouth. like this is like a trash receptacle um (laughs) you know i'm I'm heading to the trash can but there's a few like pieces that weren't bitten into and might as well just put them in my mouth instead of throwing them away and i ruined my perfect night by eating the majority of the stuff that was meant for the trash can it was devastating totally devastating
3: well, you couldn't have eaten too much. Or are you saying you really like really went for it? Oh, I
2: mean, I, it was one of those things of like, you know, you can sit and eat until you're too full and then you stand up and you're like, Oh, what have I done? This was walking around and doing that. So by the time that I was finished packaging food and putting it away or throwing it away, I was like, Oh my God, I'm so full. It was insane. Yeah. And it was so insane Paige. That I had a flash of, well, I can now be insane until January first because I've 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 destroyed my sense of decency towards myself. So yeah. now I'm just going to blow the next seven days and yeah. party with McDonald's. Like these were the thoughts I was having. I I got my shit together the next day, but that's that's that was my that's, that was how I ended Christmas night.
3: Okay. Well, I will just say well done not taking that week and going further down. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate that. I had the weirdest one because I spent time with family out of town and we were actually in a hotel and Uh, My son, who's never really been super into holidays, didn't want to do Christmas food. He wanted to do like sushi. (laughs) So it was like the most non-Christmas Christmas Christmas dinner. But that was actually helpful. We didn't have a ton of crazy desserts and things. You know, it was sort of a more, quote unquote, normal meal.
2: Well, okay. listen, I know you do Christmas because you and I, our families have been doing Christmas some form of Christmas, whether it's Christmas Eve or 26, mm-hmm. or as long as we've had families. Yes. I just want to say you are Jewish. So eating Asian food on Christmas is also kind of, there's some universe that that's normal in.
3: Yes, totally. Uh, so many people I know who are Jewish do do Chinese food on Christmas. Right. Or Christmas, or go see a movie, or yeah. So actually, yeah, you're right. It was kind of, uh, and I've done that before. So, so it was somewhat of a uh, traditional thing.
2: You're just doing somebody else's tradition, but it's yeah. a tradition you have some connection to. That's true. That's I, true. I, I when I heard about that, I was like, yeah, <laughs> Nikolai is looking for some roots that weren't really his roots, but they're somebody's roots that he has a <laughs> connection to.
3: <laughs> it's true. It's true. He stuffed himself, but I did not. I also have, you know, the added benefit of I'm still taking uh, a trizepatide, so I am like, you know, it was actually the first Christmas in my whole life, probably, that I just was like normal appetite, so to speak. Yes, and that was a, that was kind of a you know a win. It feels like I'm cheating. Um, but it's, it was, it was nice. And you know what, in <sighs> the zone I'm in, I, I'll take it. You Listen, know?
2: I don't like this thought that it's cheating. I think there's two sides to that coin. One is, uh, being completely unaware of this tool you're using to the point that it's going to bite you in the ass when you eventually stop taking it. Like there's that kind of like, mm, Unawa- like I'm just, I'm not doing anything and this is life now and I just don't have an appetite. And then when you stop taking it, it's like, ah what's happening? I'm so hungry. Right. And then the other side is like telling yourself you're cheating. I don't think you should do that either. I, I don't think it's cheating any, like is keto cheating? No. Do you know what I mean? is yeah. uh, I don't think any of these tools that we use are cheating I think that the only thing that could be cheating is the idea that you could cheat yourself. The idea like, well, this state is going to last forever. This, you know what I mean? Then you're cheating yourself because I think there will be a change and you'll be like, wait, I'm not no longer feeling full after half a meal.
3: Mm -hmm. No, no, no. You are a hundred percent right. And the word you used of tool is just how I've been trying to look at it. And it's amazing. It's an amazing tool. That's actually- what it is. And that's part of, you know, this year, we're going to start We're I'm going to ask you right now for a goal or a resolution, but I'm just going to say mine involves that using it as a tool, but still keeping in all these other healthy habits, you know, give me before we talk about what everybody else thinks we should do this year, which is what we're going to do on this episode. Tell me a goal or something. It's January 1st. Of mine. Yes.
2: My, my goal really this year is to, um, you know recognize that i have a point of view and that that point of view is solely my own and i want to be able to see other points of view more and 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 accept that those points of view are as valid as my own that's yes. really my goal so i'm working on that like a lot of the times when i come into contact with somebody that thinks very differently than i do I bristle at that, and in my head or in conversation with them, you know, I'm not such an argumentative person, but I will try and rationalize my own perspective by trying to get them to see it in a way that they change theirs. And I want to more give space to other points of view and try to see them more, not in a way that I need to change my mind, but in a way that I go like, well, that person's ideas about the world or whatever we're talking about are just as valid as mine. They're coming from a different life experience. And none of this means that I'm wrong, but it also means that they can be right while I feel right about what I feel. That's my big goal for this year.
3: Wow, that's a really nice evolved adult goal. (laughs) I just want to say, I like that.
2: Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff that I feel like I get dug into um, viewing the world in the way I do um, Mm -hmm. and, and having my understanding only be through that and coming into contact with people that view it a completely different way and, and discarding, them and just going like, well, they're crazy. And instead of going, they're crazy. I would like to try and go, how did they come to see the world in that way? That is completely different from how I perceive the world.
3: Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. I like it.
2: What is is your goal?
3: You know, I've been thinking about this. uh, I think on on a physical, I've been thinking mostly in terms of work and my physical state. And so I'll say, um, cause on work, I can get very consumed by it. I can be incredibly, you know, just, that's the first thing that matters. And I love work. I love what I do. So it's very consuming. And so there's, there's, I'm going to make an effort this year to continue to do the level of productivity that I enjoy, but to also make time for, when I say make time for myself, I mean, yeah, make time for myself in the way of like, not just like, oh, when I want to have time to hang out and do nothing, but like, what do I want to do? Do I have any personal goals? Is it, you know, personal development? Is it reading? Is it like, what is it? Or instead of picking up my laptop in a free moment, you know, is it a book? Is it some other, is it a class I want to take? Is it something I want to do in those moments or carve out those hours? that's more just for me and that's what I'm going to work on.
2: That's amazing. I support that wholeheartedly. I would like to acknowledge that you produce this show and some of the biggest uh, marketing campaigns we ever see in the world, whether it's car commercials or uh, ads for shoes or Adidas. I don't know if we're allowed to say who your clients are, but like you are a massive producer. And you work more than anybody I know. You are constantly (laughs) working, flying around the world and making commercials and ads and print ads. And like, I support you uh, doing some shit just for yourself. That sounds good.
3: Thank you. I like that. Thank you. That's, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Yeah,
2: I think Brandy would also be very pleased with that goal you just (laughs) said.
3: Well, I was going to say, if there's anybody who could... uh rival my level of, you know, work focused activity, it would be brandy. So yeah. Yeah.
2: Maybe, maybe you two need to like plan a trip and just go on vacation together and, and leave your computers at home.
3: That's not a problem at all. (laughs) (laughs) That would be fine. That would be fine. Well, we asked some of our favorite, there are many favorites, but some of our favorite, uh, past guests on American glutton. Hey, It's January 1st. What would you say to a person who's in this, uh, you know, new me kind of a, a place, you know, because there's so much information. And obviously what I love about the conversations that you have with people is, you know, you get so many different points of view and there is no right and there is no wrong. But we reached out to a bunch of people and I wanted to share with you some of the things that they said and see what you have to say. Can't wait. All right. So the first um, the first one here comes from Jason and Lauren Pack. They're an amazing personal training duo. They've been on the Today Show and featured in Men's Health and Men's Fitness and so many more. You can find them at jasonandlaurenpack.com. And what they said was, instead of setting goals that are outcome-based, like lose X number of pounds by X date or fit into a particular size of clothing, try setting goals that are process-based, like go to the gym X amount of times per week or include X amount of grams of protein in each meal. And this way, you're in full control of whether or not you complete your goals and you will be more likely to achieve your desired outcomes as a result.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. And the other aspect of that, which I like a lot is, if we set, or you know, again, my experience with goals like this, when I would set a, a goal to fit into a pair of pants or hit a number on a scale, there's kind of n- n- no part of that which keeps it going once you get there. Mm-hmm. So I say, I want to lose hundred pounds. I lose a hundred pounds. That the goal is over. There's n- the that goal is done and. What got me to that goal is also done as a consequence. And what always happened to me when I would set goals like that is the weight would start to come back, even if it's very slowly at first. And so I agree entirely with what they're saying, because like, if I really want to get to a certain weight, but I make the goal, I want to go to the gym three times a week as a baseline. That's my minimum what or something like that. That is going to work towards the standard I'd like to achieve. But if I achieve the goal of always going to the gym and have that goal stick, and I'm always doing that, there's no end. That doesn't end. You know, it's not like I want to do that for a month. Who's going to make that goal? You know what I mean? If you turn the goal around into the process, then the process by definition of the goal, continues. It doesn't end with I achieved some state of being able to wear a size of clothes, or when I stand on a scale, it says a number. Because I always had trouble with achieving those goals, and then having no structure to keep to keep that goal going.
3: This is this is actually really uh, an important point. Just like separating it like that, you know, result based or process based. Like, I love this. This is so, this is so good. I'm, do, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: awesome. It's so totally yeah. awesome. No, like, with, I, I, I want to say back to you, you're using the tool of trizepatide. You're also doing when you and I scour the research of all the potential pitfalls of using that tool you're doing everything you can to mitigate that you're you're you've increased your protein you're doing resistance training you're doing those things hopefully you continue to do those things and that will offset any kind of um weight relapse when you go off of it that's kind of the point of like okay i'm using this How can I change my life while using this tool in concordance, um, in conjunction, so that when I'm no longer using this tool, it doesn't all fall apart?
3: Right. That's the
2: thing. You get a tool, and it's like, well, if I just continue my life as it was, once the tool isn't being utilized anymore, like, you know, if your goal is just weight loss and you're going to the gym to make that goal and you get to the goal and you don't need to go to the gym anymore and you stop going to the gym and that was one of the things that got you to your weight loss, it's like the whole house of cards falls apart. But if your goal is going to the gym and you get weight loss as a byproduct of that, but you keep going to the gym, it will help you maintain that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Okay, great. Well, thank you to Jason and Lauren for that. Again, it's Jason and Lauren Pack, P-A-K. Dot com. We love them and, and appreciate that quote. Um, the next one I have for you is from, you know, the number one friend of the pod, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. Oh, gosh,
2: we love him.
3: We love him. If you haven't heard, uh, if you're listening and you haven't heard him, you can scroll back. There's probably six times that he's appeared and had amazing conversations with Ethan. He is an obesity and lipid specialist. He's a physician who focuses on exercise and nutrition as medicine. He's also, um, isn't he now the head of...
2: He, he, he was the head of Sequence, which yeah. was bought by Weight Watchers. Right. And so he is the, I, 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 he's, he told me his title, but I believe it's like the head of medicine at Weight Watchers.
3: Yeah. He's a,
2: he's a big deal, you
3: know, a big deal. You can find him at drspencer.com. And he said about this time of the year, accept what you cannot control and control what you can.
2: This is an amazing quote. This is a quote. Uh, or or a sentiment I'm very uh familiar with being a sober person where you know through sobriety there is often this kind of anxious feeling of needing to control everything
3: mm-hmm. and I
2: think there's a point where you go like I just need to let go of all this stuff that is not within my control and be okay with the fact that it's not within my control and and really determine what I can control. I cannot control the fact that alcohol exists. I got to be honest with you. If I could snap my fingers, sorry, I know you and my wife like to drink wine, but if (laughs) I could snap my fingers and, and make it all disappear, I would probably do that because it would make my life easier, but I can't. And so I go like, okay, that's outside of my control, but what can I control? I can control my consumption of alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that point of view has made life a lot easier for me because for a long time I went around just wanting the world to be different and that was not within my control. I really appreciate Spencer's quote there. It's, it's you know, there's a lot of fast food in America. There's a lot of subsidization of foods that um, are really delicious and high calorie and uh I can overeat them quite prevalently and I go around and it's always in my face and it's advertised. And then there's lots of wonderful medicines that like, if my body gets really sick from eating this food in abundance, I can take statins and blood thinners and all this stuff then like kind of put a Band-Aid on and it's like, you know, that's a pretty good thing. But I also get really, really, really heavy and I don't like that and so I just go like why don't they make regulation to stop this you know to to handle this problem why isn't the government doing it? and it's like that's none of that is within my control you know what I mean or I I just want to not have the urge myself to consume that stuff also not within my control you know what I mean that's just nothing I can do anything about mm-hmm. I drive by a McDonald's and I I have a uh, feeling of wanting to eat McDonald's. That's just a, what I have to deal with. I And so going like, okay, that's part of it. No matter what, I can't do anything about that. What can I be in control of is super helpful to me.
3: Yeah. I love that. It, you can take it from, I think you could take it from such a like, like high concepts, right. Down to like even smaller, You know, daily little things, right? Like, okay, I can't control what they're going to serve at this restaurant my friends, you know, want to go to, but I can control what I pick from it. Or, you know, or I'm going to go out with my friends and I can have some say in where we go. Or, you know, it's like things like that to make it easier on yourself. Yeah. You know, up to the big, more conceptual, you know. So, yeah, that's amazing. I love Dr. Nadalski. I love this quote. It's so good.
2: He's a great guy. And that's a great quote. And it's a great idea. And I do feel like, there is some freedom in in letting go of the need to control everything you know mm-hmm. what i mean and mm-hmm. really determining what is within your control and what is not because there can be a struggle for um the need for things to line up to our ideals in order for us to achieve something we want and i think I have been more successful when I let go of that and went, there's going to be a lot that I will not be able to control. And I'm going to really concentrate on the things I can easily control yeah. and organize my life that way.
3: Yeah. Amazing. Love that. Thank you, Dr. Nadolski. Uh, the next one is from a recent guest, John Glaude. We also had him on a long time ago, back when the podcast started. I love him so much. He's great. <laughs> such an inspiring guy. So he's a certified nutrition coach. He himself lost an incredible amount of weight. His Instagram is obese to beast. Um, And he says, my advice to anyone starting a weight loss journey is don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. It's easy for us to feel like everything has to be perfect at the start of the journey. But what's more important is how you react to any slip up you may have during the journey. There is no perfect journey. He says, in my opinion, what defines success is less the slip-ups you have and more your reaction to those. A yeah. very important aspect is just starting, learning from every mistake, and doing your best to move forward.
2: So that's amazing, too. And this, like, I just experienced this with, you know, nicknaming myself Hoover because I was like a Hoover vacuum cleaner cleaning up <laughs> on Christmas. Um <laughs> where there was some feeling of like, I had done so well. And then I did something I wished I hadn't. And the first thought was like, well, now I should do stuff that I otherwise wouldn't do for the next week. Now I have a week off. And I know, because I've done that before, that after that week of messing up, January 1st just gets much harder. You know what I mean? And I've, I've I've got this week of debauchery under my belt and I go like, well, forget it. I'm just going to keep this party going. <laughs> um, and th- the other aspect that he's talking about, like perfection, I don't think perfection is real. I- I've never experienced perfection. I've often thought like I need to lose a hundred pounds and then when I lose a hundred pounds, I'm not happy with the outcome. So there's not even perfection in that kind of specific goal for me. Um, and sure I'll be happy with some aspects of it, but it's not, it's not, it it cannot be categorized as perfection. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I think there's some more freedom in recognizing that, uh, Good enough can be your version of perfection if you allow it to be, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes.
3: No, that's so true. You just said there is no perfection. It's it's true, right? It's like, what is that? There is nothing. And if you if you had it, then what's the game of life? Like there's nothing to achieve or 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 get to, you know? So yeah, it's so it's so good. I love that. Cause it I am definitely one of those people that if I'm on a plan and I slip up. Then it's like, oh, forget it. It's all, you know, like that's, that has been my mode, you know, in the past. Love what he says about that. It's like how you manage those mistakes, you know, and learn from them. What did I do? How did that happen? How can I not have that happen? I love that so much. Yeah. It's, it's, this is so, it's important.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of people that don't even start because they, they, recognize that perfection is unachievable. And so what's the point of doing anything if you can't do it perfectly? And I think that good enough is, is, for me, is is, as perfect as it gets, you know? I don't really believe in absolutes, but like good enough is the bedrock of my foundational absolutism, you know, where I go like, God damn, I'm killing it because (laughs) I'm doing good enough. Could it be better? Of course, but it could also be a lot worse.
3: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent agree on that. Thank you to John for that. You can find him on Instagram at obese to beast. And he's amazing. You have to see his story, tons of videos on YouTube also about all his accomplishments. Um, our next quote is from another friend of the pod, Dr. Will Cole. Um, Dr. Cole was one of our first guests. He's also been on since. And we love him. He has his own podcast uh, called The Art of Being Well. He's a functional medicine practitioner. Um, he's also a New York Times bestselling author. He's written books called Intuitive Fasting and Gut Feelings. We love Dr. Will Cole. You can find him, drwillcole.com. So we asked him what he had to share. And he says, as a functional medicine practitioner, practitioner I've seen firsthand the damaging effects stress can have on a person's health, sometimes even more so than the foods you eat or don't eat. That's why I believe more of us need to practice the art of self-care and rest, which I often refer to as JOMO, short for joy of missing out (laughs) Um, all year round. Self-care isn't selfish. I believe it is necessary. It's an often missing piece, but a necessary piece to vibe well-being
2: yeah man this is great too i think you know i think there's going to be a fine line here because i wouldn't want somebody who
0: cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com
2: isn't hard on themselves at all to take this and go, well, now I can just not be hard on myself. But, but there are aspects where I've been so hard on myself mm-hmm. that I get myself into a situation that is not sustainable. And I think recognizing, you know, if I put it into the context of lifting weights, recognizing that my muscle group that I'm supposed to be working out hasn't fully recovered from the last workout and going like, well, I'm not going to go do that today because it would actually hurt me Uh and prolong me having growth in that muscle group. I'm going to take the day off and relax or do some stretching, which God, I hate stretching because it seems (laughs) so like wussy. Um, (laughs) But like, maybe that's what I need. I think getting to the point where you can be honest with yourself of what you actually need to be doing versus you know i remember being young and 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 needing to be at every party mm-hmm. and and fomo was a real thing and mm-hmm. i like this jomo and this yeah. is something i me and brandy practice quite a bit it's like <laughs> would going to that thing bring me pleasure or Am I just going to get anxious by going to that thing? And am I just going because I think I need to be there for some other reason that doesn't please me?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I I love this because, again, not that you want to say no to everything. And sometimes there are things you, you know, it's, 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 um, creates a nice effect on someone else if you accept their invitation and, you know, and then sometimes like you don't want to do something. And then once you do it, you feel good that you went and did it and all of that. So there's a balance. But I love this because it does give you permission to go, you know what, that doesn't, for whatever reason, doesn't serve me right now. Maybe that's going to be too tempting on my diet to attend that function. Or maybe I need to get more sleep tonight because of my day tomorrow or whatnot, you know, and, and that those are things I think self, the term self-care, it's so much more, Mainstream now, but I feel like it can have different connotations. And and maybe I talk about feeling like a wussy. I have this thing of like it's a badge of honor to like run yourself into the ground. You know, I did all those things, but there's something to it because like you're you're better if you're taking care of yourself, and maybe you do have to miss something, but it's better on you, and then it's better on everybody else eventually as well. You know what I mean, or ultimately as well. So, yeah, I love that he's. Dr. Cole's such a wealth of knowledge.
2: I want to get Jomo trending. You know, <laughs> I remember the first time I heard FOMO and I was like, oh, that's so good because it's truly accurate. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, there are memes where it's like in your twenties, you'd never missed anything. And then in your 30s, people would call you and you'd be like, oh, maybe I'll go. And then in your 40s, <laughs> you're offended when they invite you, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, which is so accurate. But like I think if we own that, like, no, I'm not going, and I'm yeah. pleased with myself that I'm going to relax in a way that I want. I love it.
3: I know, I love it. I have seen it too. I think it's it's yeah. He's <laughs> he's definitely onto something. That is for sure. I love yeah. it. Um, okay, great. So how about Dr. Paul Saladino? He oh. was on a little while ago. Love him, uh, Paul Saladino, MD. He's a double board certified MD. He's the host of the Fundamental Health Podcast and author of The Carnivore Code and the Carnivore Code Cookbook. So he says the holidays are definitely a difficult time for many. My succinct advice would be remember, there are many delicious foods that are also health promoting. Opt for whole foods and shun processed foods wherever possible. And then he likes to focus on meat and things with the fewest number of ingredients in the dishes, right? Which is so, whether you do carnivore or not, I just, this resonates with me because that's something I've been trying, I've been practicing is staying away from processed foods. It's like a game changer,
2: you know? Yeah, I I, I totally agree with him. I don't want to moralize any foods and say like, the reason that I gain so much weight is processed foods. But I do find- my ability to overconsume processed foods is much much easier yeah. um than whole foods it just is and so for the vast majority of what i consume it will be foods with one ingredient broccoli has one ingredient it's just broccoli now if you make a broccoli fondue or you know a broccoli in a cheese sauce or a broccoli in a béchamel or or you spice it up a lot i can overeat that mm-hmm. but steamed or you know roasted or raw broccoli i can't really overeat so that on its own and pretty much anything with a single ingredient and you start to add single ingredients together like you give me rice with a bunch of olive oil and salt i'll overeat that but mm-hmm. just rice on its own i won't even overeat i yeah. won't overeat a chicken breast on its own. And so for the majority of the food that I eat, that's that's super accurate. That's just what I do. And that is really, really helpful. And if going into the holidays, it's like, what is a big holiday meal? Is it a bunch of whole foods and then a bunch of processed foods also? And if you stick to the whole foods, are you going to be better off? I, I think probably yes.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, And it, you know, uh, when you start to pay attention, uh, when I start paying attention to this, like what's whole foods, what's processed foods, what's it's really, um, it's kind of like makes me feel like, how did I not know this already? Or I wasn't being mindful of this at all in, you know what I mean? It's like, it's really kind of, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm like reminding myself to make sure I get enough, uh, whole foods or, or just in general, like vegetables for God's sake. So you know what I mean? It's like, you can go, okay, great. I'm just going to grab some protein and rice and thing. And then, and that happens over the holidays with my husband and I, cause we're like, we haven't had a vegetable in four days. Like what's going to happen. So it it's just, yeah, it's just interesting to pay attention to it and to like break it down and go, okay, great. What am I, what am I eating? What are my normal things? And obviously, I don't know, you can't stay away from it entirely. Technically, wouldn't you say like a protein powder is a processed, yeah. you know? So it's like, it's, right like you, you No no
2: even as we're talking I'm scouring my head for the processed foods I do consume daily mm-hmm. and whey protein for sure is a processed food um yeah. you know they take milk and they process the shit out of it and then they add some flavor enhancers yes I eat whey protein every single day and that's a mm-hmm. processed food but it is a small component of what I'm consuming you yeah. know I also eat um Greek yogurt, which I don't, you know, as I was scrolling through what I tend to eat in a day, I I have probably five to 10 ounces of Greek yogurt every day. And I don't know if that's processed. I don't know if it's just milk, you know, skim milk that's (laughs) been, put, you know, allowed to sit or heated slightly. I have no idea, but it it seems to be slightly different than just skim milk. Right. Um, and so that's probably processed also.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but those are like the only staples in sure. my diet that are truly processed. For the most part, everything else is a – and and then every now and again, you know, I eat a legendary foods tasty pastry that's like a uh. high-protein Pop-Tart, and that's delicious, but that's mm-hmm. not daily.
3: Right, right. And I think we can say all those things potentially are better than a bag of Doritos, which is what my mind goes to, you know, when I think processed food, I think like more junk food, you know what I mean? So
2: Sure. And like, w- if we use some of the other wisdom that we've just brought up from past guests already, don't let good get in the way of, don't let perfect get in the way of good, which John yeah. said, um, which is so accurate. You know, if, if you find yourself in a situation where you have just consumed processed foods or- there's nothing else available to you and you got to eat and you eat the processed food. Okay. Move on. Don't don't allow that to be the thing, the catalyst to send you down a processed food rabbit hole and don't beat yourself up too much and try to get back on your path.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. Love that. Thank you to Dr. Paul Saladino. Um, I love, he also has this amazing supplement company, uh, called heart and soil. And I, I actually take a couple of things from there. I think I love him. Um, whether you're you know into carnivore or not, he's he's great. So here is a quote from Dr. Adil Khan. He was on not that long ago. He's a cell and gene therapy pioneer, and he has this emphasis on how to reverse aging. I loved the conversation you had with him. Um, I think you guys actually got into talking about um, uh, peptides and things. That was that was yeah. a good. Um, you can find him on Instagram at Dr. A Khan K H A N. So he says embrace your fears for within them lies the power to take calculated risks and conquer the unknown.
2: Ooh, I like that. That's Break so Break it down.
3: What does this mean?
2: <laughs> I think that, you know, I think that a lot of people, and, and again, I say a lot of people because it was my experience. And so I, you know, I think it's hard to assume that anybody doesn't have my experience this is part of my resolution to recognize more that my experience is unique to myself and go (laughs) like okay so my experience was you know i i think about how uh, it took me a couple of years and losing 150 pounds before i ever went to a gym Mm -hmm. and even just going to the gym i was super scared And then within days of going to the gym with a few trips to the gym, I was like, oh, nobody here is going to be mean to me. Nobody here is resentful that I'm here taking up space, using weights because I don't know what I'm doing. You know, this was like 2004. I've been dieting for two years. I'd lost 150 pounds and I still wasn't going to go to the gym. Brandy actually said i i bought you a a a package with this trainer and i was like what i don't want to do that at all and she was like well tough i i paid for it you have to do it if you're if you don't do it you're just throwing my money away and that's not cool (laughs) and so i was like okay and i went and you know i had all these ideas about gym people you know that they were assholes and jocks and bullies and and like me being completely soft and having never set foot in a gym literally ever. Um, and being in my early twenties and, um, walking into a gym for the first time, I looked at everybody like they were kind of the enemy. You know, I had this idea about exercise people that they were like, a different type of person yeah. you know it was like a bad after school special of wh- where the the jocks were all bullies you know like ben yeah. affleck on steroids how he was <laughs> such a dick he did that yes. after school special and like just was tearing his room apart and like lifting weights and screaming and like just I-, I don't know that's part of the feeling i had about exercise people and and then within a couple of days people w- remembered me and welcomed me and were like, glad to see you back here. And like, you know, it was so welcoming and I and I was so um, kind of at home. So I think like that's the immediate story in my life that his quote kind of summons, which is like, I could have done that at any time and mm-hmm. had the exact same experience. I could have done that on day one um, and gone and become a part of this community. I didn't need to lose 150 pounds. By the way, I lost 150 pounds. I still had 200 pounds to lose, you know, it wasn't like I was anywhere near feeling good about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I only went because Brandy basically forced me and kind of shamed me into going because had I not gone, gone, I would have been throwing away her money. And so (laughs) it was, uh, there's a there's a lot of that there there was a period of time where I wanted to do or force myself to do anything that I thought about that I thought was too hard or too scary um you know I kind of drew the line at like jumping out of an airplane I still will not do that but I probably should but like running I went and ran a, a I think at 10 K in Austin and, uh, riding bicycles and I put on spandex and that was real, really fucking awkward. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was, and then I was like, Oh, (laughs) you actually are more aerodynamic in this outfit and (laughs) you can ride a little bit faster. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, like this is actually useful. I like this. And then Mm -hmm. it was like, no, now I'm a spandex person. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't like hiking. And then I was like, well, I gotta, I guess I gotta hike because I don't want to, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I I really get a lot out of his quote because I've had some of my biggest growth by just doing things that I was afraid to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not gonna jump out of an airplane because I'm totally convinced that that's, that there's nothing to benefit from that. Um, but maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'll change my thinking. Maybe I should change my thinking on that. I also just don't know what I get from doing that, but like, I do know that from hiking or going to the gym or riding my bike a lot, like I got stuff out of that. I, I, I was, uh, hesitant and resistant, but I also knew like I could benefit greatly from doing those things. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think, um, taking that fear, you know, um, I think most people on earth haven't been punched in the face and the idea of getting punched in the face can be a little scary, but I got to tell you, um, it's really not so bad. Like you get punched in the face a couple of times and you go like, okay, I didn't get killed. I didn't get knocked out. Now if you get knocked out the first time you get punched in the face, maybe maybe I'm totally wrong in this and you didn't need to embrace that fear, but like I I like kickboxing and and there there is a fear of like getting punched. What's it like when you get punched in the face really hard and like you see stars for a minute and your vision disappears and like there's a lot to it. Um and then it happens a few times and you're like, "Oh, this is not such a big deal." So mm-hmm not that I want to go around getting punched in the face or inviting people to punch me in the face, but I don't have any fear of that anymore, you know? And like going to the gym, I can remember being really, really scared to go to the gym. And now it's like, it is like going to church where it's only a good experience. I mean, maybe that's a bad analogy because maybe some people have had terrible experiences going to church, but like, and I don't really go to church, so I don't imagine, but but my idea of what going to church is, is you go to a loving community that just wants you to 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 do well and be better and be happy. And they kind of come in and you get this like spiritual hug from people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I get from the gym. I yeah. see people and they're all working on themselves and they all want me to succeed and I want them to succeed. And it's just this lovely thing. So I think there is a lot to embracing your inner fear.
3: Yeah. I love that you brought up that you, you put it to this particular story and going to the gym because it is, it is so we're on January one and I have been here so many times where I'm like, I'm going to go. I mean, how many people join the gym and start the gym this year, right? It's like everyone, all the gyms, you know, memberships go up now And it can be so terrifying, especially when you don't know you're going alone or you don't know what to do with the machines or did I do anything? Did I do it right? Oh, look at that girl over there. She has the best body. I mean, that's what goes on in my mind. You know, oh, God, we've all just been here so much. And I know there are so many people experiencing this literally today. So I love that you said that because. Yes, it can, you know, you embrace that. Look, what would it look if you didn't do that? You know yeah. what I mean? You'd such a different, you'd be in a different place.
2: Yeah, totally. So that's
3: amazing. I love that. Thank you to Dr. Khan for that one. That was a good one. Here is the last one for you today. Um, this is from James Clear. Who does not Oh, he's amazing. James Clear, right? He's sold over 15 million copies, probably more by now, of Atomic Habits. It is like the best, most popular book. And here we are, you know, at this, this is like, I don't know. I love him so much. Um, Jamesclear.com. If you haven't uh, seen his book, here's what he had to say for everybody today. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. This is one reason why meaningful change does not require radical change. Small habits can make a meaningful difference by providing evidence of a new identity.
1: Oh,
2: yeah. That is fucking awesome. Yeah. That is so awesome. Um, Again, throwing this through the filter of my experience Every single time I tried to turn my life around in a day or on a January 1st or a Monday or, you know, tomorrow is the first day of the rest of my life type of a thing, mm-hmm. I failed. It was only through doing small things, doing one thing at a time, building on that, that I found myself today having a completely different life than I used to have and recognizing that I could take it all apart very easily by Mm -hmm. letting any of these new things slide. Um, It could very easily go the other way. So it's a constant practice of, of these new things that aren't truly innate, but become easier and easier over time. I think they can almost take on the guise of being innate, but none of them have become purely innate. You know, I think I've brushed my teeth every morning long enough that that has become like I've never I've never once forgotten to do that. Mm -hmm. If you're out there and you're forgetting to brush your teeth, please work on that. That that is a good thing to do when you get up in the morning. Yeah. Um, And the people around you will be thankful, too. (laughs) But that started so early for me. And I've been doing that so long that I want all this other stuff. I want going to the gym to be like that. And there are still many mornings that I have to talk myself into going to the gym, but I, I do it and I get it done and I feel better. And it has gotten so much easier to do that, you know? Um, And and the way I eat also, it was a struggle. I'd sit down to order food or walk into a grocery store and I I, I I would have trouble. There would be times where I would get to the checkout aisle and look down at my cart and think, no, no, I've put a bunch of stuff in my cart that I i don't want to be eating. I need to go back around and restock the shelves with half the shit in my grocery cart. Mm-hmm. So, And now I don't do that. Um, But it took a long time. So I I, I think finding little ways to change and really, really digging in and working on them is super, super valuable and will set you up better than trying to make all life's changes in one fell swoop on one day. January 1st can be a day to start new processes, start small, build on them, take a long view of life. Not mm-hmm. a short term goal. You know, if you're if you're January first
3: For free shipping and 365 day returns.
2: Goal is going to be achieved and done in two weeks and you're never going to. What's the point? That's, you know, like, let's let's get into lifelong changes.
3: Mm -hmm. I love it. And we are here. We are poised to do all of that. It's January 1. Let's let's do this.
2: Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, let's have a great 2024, Paige.
3: Let's do it. Thank you so much to everybody that shared these inspiring words with us. Thank you, Ethan, for giving us your thoughts on all of those, because we all love to hear your view as well. And here we are, January 1. We got this.
2: Happy New Year.
3: Happy New Year.
2: See ya. See
3: ya. And now for the Q&A. How about a question from Shane? How about it? Hi, Shane. He says, I just heard you talk on one of your podcasts about the massive swings of your weight for several years before finally being able to keep it off over the last five years. I'm curious as to what you attribute your uh, current success to. Is it discipline, a different state of mind or something else? In my early 50s, I recently lost 120 pounds. Amazing. This is the second time I have lost over a hundred pounds in my life and I am terrified of it coming back. I primarily lost weight through exercise, mostly cardio and weightlifting. Oh, I'm so sorry. He says, I primarily lost my way through exercise recently after an injury. I saw some of my weight coming back and uh, easing up on exercise. So I'm looking for help to be more consistent and make this a lifelong lifestyle. Love your show. And thank you for all the content.
2: Thank you, Shane. Yes. uh, it, It really, for me, exercise has nothing to do with my weight. Exercise for me is a pursuit that I am trying to maintain muscle mass. So I, you know, I don't want osteoporosis as a, as a, as an older fellow and, I I like the way my body looks more muscular and uh, and I feel better after I go to the gym. So these are the things that keep me going to the gym. I even feel better after I do some cardio. So that's my cardio piece. Plus, I like the idea of like you know keeping that whole system that that motor going right. And so I don't want to let my cardio fall out. Those have nothing to do for me with weight loss or weight maintenance. Um, there is a bare minimum that I want to move every day. So I kind of keep track of that with my phone and the step count. And and I know um, depending on if I'm at work or if I'm in in my regular house or in New York, if I'm in New York, I don't pay attention. I walk so much in New York. I I know my baseline is covered, but in my regular time, I don't, you know, I have a car. I I live in a place that's not really a walking place. And the most steps I'm going to get is walking my dog or, you know, walking from my car to my house or walking upstairs to my bedroom. Like those are my steps. And so we'll be dramatically lower at that house. And, um, sometimes I have to do some cardio to keep my baseline up. And that's how I do that. But it's not for, it's just because there's an amount, I know that I, um, if left on my own, wouldn't move a lot naturally, I don't innately move a lot. And so I want there to be a, a, a minimum that I'm moving every day. And that's how I keep track of that. I think that the biggest change for me with, um, maintaining weight loss was I stopped thinking about a finish line. I stopped thinking about there being a short-term diet to get to a goal. The goal now is death. That is the goal. And so I want to improve every single day not massive improvements because sometimes the pursuit of massive improvements make the next day improving impossible little incremental improvements every day forever until I die that's it there's no i got to get to x amount of weight on a scale i need to wear this fancy pair of pants i want a 30 inch waistline those goals are largely gone i want to improve every day and so in order for me to do that my diet forever is altered. I don't eat fast food, I don't eat highly processed foods, I don't eat highly palatable foods. I don't try I try not to celebrate with foods. I do not interact with food in the same way that I used to. Food was a comfort to me. Very rarely is food a comfort to me now. Food is fuel and every now and again food is really really delicious and I enjoy it. But that's not my primary pursuit. Look, when I was very, very overweight, I wanted every single meal to give me a rush of dopamine. I wanted it to be a, a an explosion of flavor and and um, an intense experience in my mouth every single time. And that just didn't get me anywhere. So that kind of experience with food is now very, very, very rare. Um, And I got to be honest with you, um, given some distance from foods that really do that, I can get pleasure now out of some well-cooked broccoli. And when I say well-cooked, you know, I don't mean you hammer the shit out of it and make it like mush. There's a point where broccoli turns emerald green. To me, that's perfectly cooked. Emerald green, and then you pause it. You don't want it to keep cooking because it can overcook on its own. And a little bit of salt, boom, that tastes good to me now. That's delicious. Um, uh, You you know, I'm not going to lie and tell you that uh, um, a hamburger, a perfect and ideal hamburger, has a shitload of fat in it. That fat carries the flavor better than just lean meat. The perfect steak is well marbled. But if you spend some time away from that and you're eating much, much leaner meats, there will come a day when you're eating a very, very lean hamburger and you're like, wow, this too is delicious. And it's not off my plan at all. It's not a big deviation. It's not, you know, 20% fat. It's 4% fat. I can go to the store and get 96 lean Slash 4% fat ground beef, which has a ton of protein and very little fat, and make a hamburger that I find delicious. Day one, that hamburger tasted like shit to me. I needed the 80 20 mix of of lean to fat in order for it to taste good I, I didn't even fuck around with 85 for 15 85 15 beef i was like who wants that lean nonsense that's not going to taste good it's not going to caramelize right it's going to taste like shit so i would go uh 80 lean 20 percent fat make a burger day one eating super lean ground beef tasted like shit it doesn't anymore You know, I've had this experience a lot with salt where um, I'm trying to dump some water weight to get a photo shoot. So I stop eating salt. Everything tastes awful. Life is dull. You're like, food doesn't taste good. It's miserable. I'm depressed. I need that bonus dopamine from just having good flavor in my mouth. And guess what? By day five, I don't miss the salt. I don't. The minute the salt comes back in, I'm going to miss it again if I take it out. So, yeah, if giving up fast food is something you got to do, I warn you about going back to eat fast food, eating fast food, because everything is going to not taste as good. They, They are in a laboratory engineering this stuff to make an explosion in your chemistry when it goes in your mouth your body saying yes i need that fat i need those carbs i need that salt i need that perfect com- combination to feel alive spend some time away from that and maybe you're maybe it's necessary not to eat that kind of shit right for me it's necessary not to eat that kind of shit so you know i hate the word lifestyle change it's so it's so annoying. And like what? Yeah, yeah, it's bullshit. But the reality is, I have changed my lifestyle. And that means the way I live forever. I'm not on a fucking keto diet for six months and then going to eat carbs. I'm not on a low calorie diet. I'm not doing something short term. The way I eat when I'm trying to lose weight is exactly the same as the way I eat when i'm trying to maintain my weight the only difference is when i'm trying to maintain my weight i'm eating eating a little bit more food just a little bit but it's all the same stuff mostly one word ingredients uh rice it's just rice broccoli it's just broccoli cabbage all the vegetables are just that thing once you start getting you know chips made from these things. You got a string of ingredients and you know what those ingredients do? They make them taste better. And you know what that does? It makes it easier to overeat. So that's my structure. I'm, I'm mostly eating shit that I'm not going to overeat and I'm not bending on those rules for the most part. 99.999% of the time, and then every now and again my wife and I will watch a you know a Netflix show on the greatest pizzas ever made and we'll see this dude who has a pizza shop in Arizona that's voted the best pizza in America and we're like this is impossible there's no fucking way that Arizona's making the best pizza we got to try this pizza and we'll go on Goldbelly and order the pizzas and in our case we thought the pizzas were on their way turns out they were three months backlog. Cause everybody else in America also watched the fucking Netflix show about the best pizza and thought no fucking way and ordered the pizza. So it took us three months to get this pizza. And then you, and then you're not eating pizza in the meantime, but you wake up one day and a fucking frozen pizza shows up at your door shipped to you from Arizona. And you're like, well, I guess today's the day of the year That I'm eating pizza. And that's it. That's the pizza I ate this year. I ate one pizza this year. It took three months to get to my house. It was made in Arizona. It cost a lot. And it was fucking delicious. But was it the best pizza in America? I don't know because I don't really eat pizza. But that's what I'm saying.
3: I love everything you said. It totally makes sense. I am. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. I hope that, that was helpful. I'm sure it was. Please let so, us know. Shane. Yeah, let us know how you do, Shane. And thank you for your question. Thank you to everybody who sends in questions. I love reading the questions and I can't wait to hear Ethan's answers. So, guess what? Send a question to hello at AmericanGlutton.net.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton
1: Podcast. Sincerely.